This guy, right, he walks into a library and he says to the librarian, he says, hey, do you have uh, that new book for men with really small penises? And the, and the librarian looks on her computer, click, 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 she says, hmm, I don't know if it's in yet. And he says, yeah, that's the one. Uh. Welcome, boys and girls, to a very literary showdown of Halloween's Forever. I'm Brian. And I'm Steve in King. He is Steve. And we are here on this very special showdown evening. Um, And, you know, from that uh, uh, library theme joke, I don't know. That might that might have jogged your memory. That might have reminded you uh, that we are talking about uh, Stephen King adaptations. That's one of them dang old word writers. Uh, he writes them them word stories, uh, but then some of them word stories gets turned into moving motion pictures, and we're going to be talking about some of them very very specific ones this very evening on a uh, a, a, a little bit of a unique format. For our showdown episode here, guys. I'll explain all that in a goddamn second. Hold your fucking pants on. We got other things to do at the top of the show here. First of all, um, I just started dipping into a little beer ski. Uh, Steve, you got, I got a couple beer skis here. What do you What do you got? I have a beer a, over there. I Steve? have a beer ski. I have a beer ski and a tea ski. Ooh, tell us about them. So tea ski is just diet decaf uh, orange iced tea from Turkey Hill. It's just, just I really thought maybe good. you had like the Polish beer, Tiski, and you oh, just no. had like a really no. authentic <laughs> pronunciation of it. I know. I don't even like that beer, so no. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, but no. There's I, nothing good about it. I have a, I have something similar of the region, but definitely from mm-hmm. America. It's from mm-hmm. Grist House, and it's called their Good Bird House, which is a Czech dark lager. So like Czech, that's, oh. that's kind of close to Poland. But it has nothing to do that, with TSK and <laughs> it's Central Europe, you guys. Yeah. So we're right there, next door neighbors. Speaking of Czech and Polish uh, relationship here, I made some, and I'm gonna forget the name, but there was a very tasty. I can never remember the name of it. Czech pickled sausage dish mm-hmm. that uh, that I make at home on occasion. That I made a batch of today, uh, and I made it with because you can't find like czech sausage right so i always make it with the kielbasa with the polish sausage yeah um you take the sausage right fully cooked you know kielbasa slice into little chunky logs then kind of cut it like like you're going to cut it long ways but only go like halfway through like it's a hot dog bun and instead of a hot dog inside the kielbasa you put smear some mustard and you a little little uh, half a slice of, of onion and then you put the whole thing in a big old jar and then you make like a pickling brine with like bay leaf and allspice and and black peppercorns and stuff. And you put it in there, let it sit in the fridge for a couple of weeks. Ooh, ooh, got some tangy little yummy sausage and onion situations to eat when you're drinking your beers. Is it Utupenshi? Yeah, that's it. Yes. I, look, I looked it up. 
<laughs> yeah, yep, 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 yep. Drowning man, I remember is whatever it means, like drowning man or drowned man or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I can never remember the Czech pronunciation. But yeah, I made a little batch of that. So hey, Czech, Polish, hey, we're, 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 we're simpatico uh, this evening. How's the beer? Yeah, no, the beer's really good. I mean, it, it doesn't uh, stand out too much because it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just a chart, Czech dark lager. But it, they yeah. weren't trying to push it to be extra roasty or anything like that. They just wanted mm-hmm. to make like a, an easy drinking dark brown ale at four seven. So nice. Well, that's pretty damn good. Um, I'm going the opposite. Well, not. Uh, I, I just finished off a little uh, uh, a beer I've had uh, quite a few times uh, on the show, probably that I, that I buy regularly from our lovely friends uh, uh, locally here at Burgers Brewing, Cultivare, their Italian pills. But I just took that to the face and I just poured myself a bottle of 2021 uh, Nemesis by uh, Founders Brewing Company. Mm. Um, I, and uh, uh, listen, as, as shitty of an organization as Founders is uh, and how much I absolutely despise working there for my time time there, um, they make some fucking good ass beer, especially the big, big barrel aged sons of bitches and, and that sort of thing. And, and they're... Um, uh, uh, just any big like imperial big burly style they just do a fucking hell of a job with it this is their 2021 version of nemesis which is their american barley wine and it's like a darker richer like what's well, american version right so it's not english malts or anything i don't think mm-hmm. it's english malts but it's american hops but they've toned way down and it's quite a bit darker than your average uh, american barley wine isn't like the backwoods bastard the other barley wine that they put out it's i it's essentially a non-barrel aged version of backwoods bastard i think um but i think it does have a little bit more dark malt in it but it's it's in the same vein and it's a big son of a bitch it's 11.2 percent abv Mm. so it's so it's a big motherfucker yeah so daddy gonna sip on that while we talk (laughs) about these stephen king movies um but it's like yeah i mean it's 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 been in the bottle for two years so yeah, yeah, it shouldn't it's be. It's got that, uh, like, there's still a little bit of firm bitterness to it, but it's like starting to starting to take on a little bit of that, like, rum raisin, you know, toffee date type of thing mm-hmm. um, on there as well. So a little bit of cocoa in the background. Yeah, and it shouldn't but be too too hot anymore now that it's been sitting around. No, it's real nice and mellow. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm fucking with this. I think I have a a four pack of it. I think this is my last four pack of it, and I just popped into it so mm. Mm. three left boys three left um <laughs> i think right. i think my last founders was uh a cbs 2017 mm. because like that was right about the time like all the stuff about like how bad their organization was like was coming yeah. out so all that came out and at the same time the 2017 was just like incredibly hot to the point of being almost undrinkable and i was like why the fuck are you selling something that is just like gasoline? Like I, 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 I paid, I paid thirty two dollars for a bottle of gasoline. Fuck off! Yeah, and I was mad. I was yeah. just mad at everything. <laughs> well, and, and it's it's a shame because like they they have the capabilities of making some of the best beer in the world, but it's just like when you have uh, foreign entities coming in and then like pushing their agenda and like they were trying to get a uh, uh, the, the remainder of a deal sold through their their now parent company, Mal San Miguel, and they're just like pumping tons of like high, high, 
gravity barrel aged beer into the market. And then you get the other end of the spectrum where all now all of a sudden there's a lot of like old beer out there. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, yeah, it's just, that's, that's what happens when you sell to some foreign company that doesn't know jack shit about, about craft beer. Right. Um, yeah. in, in any case, um, here we are guys. Uh, it's our February showdown episode. Um, for those of you who have been listening along, you know, we're going to talk about these Stephen King flickies here tonight and we decide we're going to do something a little different this time around a little different for the month of february we are going to uh go head to head for the first time ever in showdown history uh your boy and yo the boy steve we're gonna go head to head uh and we decide to do something a little bit different in the sense that because there's just two of us we're each gonna pick two movies so we got the opportunity to pick two stephen king adaptations now Gentlemen's rules applied. We did apply the Meg rule to one particular movie, which is uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, because we both agreed that it's the best Stephen King adaptation in terms of like the. We're, we're, and, and listen, guys, we're not talking about faithfulness to the source material. We're talking about the fucking movie here, guys. Um, so for for uh, The Shining, we were like, yeah, no, we, we can't pick The Shining. That's like picking Jaws for shark movies. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we sat that aside. But otherwise, everything was wide open. So last week, if you didn't tune in, we did a little uh, kind of a little snake draft, if you will, but only four picks where uh, I started uh, uh, off the top and just took a fucking banger in uh, in Pet Cemetery. Of course, the the, the 1983, right? 89. 89. No, what are you? Oh, uh, I was thinking. Um, Dead Zones 83. Uh, Dead Zones 83. Yeah. Um, so I picked 89 Pet Cemetery, hoping that I could pick the dead zone next time around but steve got second and third and snatched up dead zone um for for 83 and then also uh you picked a 2007's the mist Mm -hmm. and i would go as far as to say that the mist is on your list steve yes because the mist the mist is on your list um and then i picked the fourth version uh or my my fourth pick rather um i came up with with a little bit of an out of the box one because i got thrown for a fucking loop guys with didn't think steve was going to pick dead zone i picked gerald's game which Mm -hmm. uh watched it for the second time leading up to this episode and was like god damn I'm so glad I picked this movie because I actually forgot how much I like this movie. So I'm feeling pretty strong. And I will say before we jump into them, we picked about four motherfucking bangers. I'm not even going to lie. This is a strong crop of movies here. Uh, All four of these movies I genuinely love. Um, So it's going to be a tight one. It's going to be a tight one. And instead of us doing a vote here, because there's only two of us, we're going to put it on the social medias for all of our friends and social media followers to help us pick uh, via via poll. So, um, yeah, if you didn't listen to the episode and you're just out there voting, shame on you. You're rat fucks interacting with us on the social medias. Um, But if you want to be rat fucks and, and interact with us on social medias, you're more than welcome. Go join us over there uh, at Halloween is forever on Instagram at Hallow forever on Twitter. You know, we're on other stuff. 
We're on uh, we're on the Facebooks. We're on the Tiki Talkies. All those things. Just search Halloween's Forever. You'll find us. And then I'll remind you as well because I think I probably forgot to in the last couple of times. If you want to help out the show, if you like the show, there's a couple ways you can help us out. One, you can go and uh, you know just easy peasy. Takes you about thirty seconds. Open up your podcatcher app, your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, whatever the fuck you're doing. Go to the show page. Scroll down. Give us five stars or however many the maximum amount of stars are, and then write us a little quick review. Just say, hey, these guys, all right, pretty cool. And then uh, submit it. If you want some free stickers in the mail and you've written one of them reviews, DM me and just say, hey, I wrote your review. I say, I'll trust you. I'll throw you some fucking stickers in the mail. I'll probably throw you some other dumb shit too, some fucking atomic warheads and fucking little ghost and witch stickers or some stupid shit too. I got a lot of that kind of stuff around. Um, but... If you want to take that extra step, if you're feeling real froggy and you want to go support us uh, in a paper money kind of way, you can go over to uh, patreon.com forward slash Halloween is forever. Join our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Steve, wait, we got some shit going on over there. What's going on over to Patreon? Yeah. So if you jump on the Patreon, what you get is you get two tiers to choose from. One tier, that's an okay tier. It's all right. It's got extra postings you get episodes early sometimes you get a couple two tree things it's all right it's just a little fuck that tier yeah fuck that tier but it's it's really (laughs) just an amuse bouche to get you excited (laughs) for it is an amuse bouche yeah for for the big tier the big tier the five dollar tier it's not that much big dog tier but it's only five dollars big dog tier yeah it's only five dollars though but for five dollars you get all the stuff on the on the lower tier the scams tier You get Mm -hmm. to be called a rascal instead of a scamp, and you get to get on the Discord. You can come watch episodes live, which means you get the episodes the earliest because you see them happening now. It's now. As early as humanly possible. You are literally hearing the episode as it's happening. So you can be joining our other uh, Patreon friends in the tier uh, uh, in the in the Discord, right this motherfucking second. Yes, and you also get an extra monthly podcast of Family Is Forever, where I torture Brian. Yeah, it's exclusive, mm-hmm. exclusive, and I torture mm-hmm. Brian with every single Fast and the Furious film every month. He gets to watch a new one and hate it and be upset and cry and be really upset and want to die. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. Um, it's becoming uh, uh, uh it's it's. It's throwing a wrench in my whole existence, um, but I'm on the I'm on the home stretch, so I feel pretty good about that. So you have, if you subscribe now, you got a whole big fucking backlog of 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 episodes to to listen to because we're about to do the eighth one, which I don't even know what it's called. Uh, again, Fate I don't look ahead. I don't know anything furious. about these. Fate of the Furious. Of course it is. What the fuck? Who cares? Um, is it Fate, like, spelled F, but with, like, eight, like, E-I-G-H-D? Yeah, I'm sure in some promotional material it was. Like, Christ yeah. almighty. These movies are stupid, and if you like them, you're stupid. <laughs> but if you, if, you, if you are stupid enough to like them, then maybe you can enjoy this podcast. If you're, like, any normal person that understands how garbage they are, it also would probably be fun to listen to because we mostly just make fun of how trash they are. Yeah. The podcast is very fun. Again, the movies are not. And you don't have to listen to the to the 
or watch the movies before listening to the podcast. In fact, I would strongly suggest you don't um, because of how <laughs> bad they are. But you can listen to the podcast and we make fun of them and it is it is a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, we're at this point, we've probably got... Jeez, um, we probably got a good 20 hours of extra content yeah. uh, on the Patreon um, uh, to, to listen to us. Uh, and, and we're on the home stretch. And then after... Uh, after we're done with all fucking 10 of these horrid, god awful piles of human excrement, uh, we're gonna jump into something else. And your boy's gonna pick, and I'm gonna pick something that Steve has to watch. Um, and, and it's gonna be just uh, uh, infinitely better, uh, because it's not Fast and the Furious. Well, better um, for Brian, and Brian hopes it'll be psychically damaging for me. Is what I <laughs> hope so. I'm really struggling. If you have any ideas of what I could do that would hurt Steve deep, like deep down in his soul, I would appreciate those suggestions. You know, we've talked about things like like Hallmark Christmas movies, but like eh, nobody wants to talk about that in the fucking summertime, right? So I, I don't know. I, I I like that idea, but I also don't like it for certain reasons. So if you have any other suggestions, throw them our way. I've got a couple things floating around the old bean upstairs, um, but I'm, I'm not really sure which direction we're going to go yet. So all the suggestions are, are very much welcome. All right. I think we got all the... The, the, the horse shit and nonsense and, and, and hooliganry uh, at the top of the show out of the way. Um, so let's get into these fucking four uh, uh, movies. Not the first time we've talked about four movies. We've had multiple guests on before. The first time we have two people talking about four movies. So I think we should go back and forth. I think we should do like a little bing, bang, bong type of situation. Steve has graci- graciously offered to uh, allow me to choose who goes first because he uh, 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 he got to choose whether I picked first or if you picked the second two, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I picked um, the order of the snake draft. So you picked the order, right? Right, exactly. So I'm going to pick the order in which we talk about the movie. So I would prefer to kick it off. I'm going to talk about a movie. Then Steve's going to talk about a movie. Then I'm going to talk about the movie. Steve's going to talk about a movie. Now, we're not going to go quite in depth as we normally do on every single movie, just because, again, we got four movies to talk about. Um, but but what we're going to talk about, we're going to get into these son of a bitches, um, because like I said, we got four fucking bangers here. Um, I am going to pick the movie that I feel is 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 the weakest, I would say, of, of my two. But but even so, uh, uh, pretty strong. Also, totally forgot watching watching predator 2018 back forgot thomas jane's in this son of a bitch <laughs> so also now uh, uh relevant to to our uh episode here tonight because he's gonna be talking about the mist because as i uh, had referred to previously the mist is on your list um time for the right. janiacs to unite <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i didn't realize uh, I was reading, you know, doing a little bit of research le- leading up to this here episode. I didn't realize Frank Darabond wanted Thomas Jane to play Rick in The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you want to That makes go- total sense, but I didn't oh, yeah. know that. Yeah, it makes total sense because, I mean, he had already done The Punisher. And so, like, he just has mm-hmm. that little bit of cop face about him is what he has. He has yeah. Yeah, he has cop face. He has sheriff face. And then- yeah. You can go through and like do a comparative IMDb between The Walking Dead and The Mist, and it's just like a shitload of people. Oh, I think there's like five people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's there's four or five cast members on there, but like I just never you, you don't picture anybody else but uh, 
Andrew, what's his fucking face or whatever? Lincoln. As Rick Grimes. Andrew Lincoln, I think his name is. is. Andrew yeah. Lincoln, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. But he would have done great. Yeah, he yeah. Great. He yeah, he would have done um, pretty good as well. So, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but also ballsy to pick the British guy. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? To be but, your but, lead. I mean, he pulls off the, the accent. He, picked, he you know, I, I swear I watched like two two seasons of that show uh, before I realized that before I learned he was British. Yes. Yeah, I was like, God damn. It's pretty, pretty convincing. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's fantastic. Anyway, um, so I'm going to start it off with 2017's Gerald's Game, mm. um, which is, uh, uh, like I said, was my my kind of dark horse pick here. But I'm really pleased that I picked it. Um so, so this is this is a novel by one Mr. Stephen King. I'm a King fan. I've read a, quite a bit of Stephen King. Um, not not like a, a diehard read everything under the sun by him. I've read like all of his short stories. I've read a handful of his novels. I'm now reading um, the the Dark Tower series. Um, I actually took a break and then now I went off and read a couple other things and then I'm going to circle back around to it. But um, I have not read Gerald's Game. And I have not read Pet Cemetery either. Mm. And I have not read uh, 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 Dead Zone. Okay. <laughs> um, so the only thing I've read is the novella, the short story, uh, The Mist. Out of these four, there's only one one that I've actually read, yeah. um, coincidentally. It's funny because I was, thinking, so I was I, thinking about this as well because I had, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I've seen the movie of anything I've read and I've never read anything I've seen the movie of. Really? I think the only one for me that actually crosses both for some odd reason is The Cell or Cell. Oh, really? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I saw them or I read the original story when it was being published in parts. And then mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I just sat down one day and watched the John Cusack Samuel L. Jackson movie. I was just like, eh, whatever. I don't know why I did this. <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've read there's so many movies that are based on his short stories and, and they are... Um, like in night shift and, and, and all, like that don't have a ton to do. Like they're loose adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, but even amongst like the, the full, like I've read Carrie, I've read it. I've read, uh, so, so I've read a decent amount, but most of them I watched a movie version before I read. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple, I guess there was a couple instances, like some of the short stories. Cause I remember reading night shift, um, you know, way back when I was in like early high school. So like I, I, you know, I had some, some, some of that in my head before I saw some of the movies, but anyway, Gerald's game, never, never read the movie. Um, but I kind of knew what it was about, right. I, you know, I, I kind of caught through the, through the zeitgeist, what it's about. So let's, let's set it up here. So, um, first of all, one, Mr. Mike Flanagan, which also I did realize because I saw this when it came out in 2017 and, you had mentioned um, when we talked about before, you were like, oh, Mike Flanagan and uh, and Barbara Crampton. And I was like, oh, yeah. But I hadn't seen it since 2017. And I realized it's not Barbara Crampton. No, it's not. But she looks like Barbara Crampton. I mean, especially in certain scenes, she looks very much like I got, Barbara Crampton. I got confused and I think I confused it with Jacob's wife. Which sounds, yes, Gerald's well, game, Jacob's wife. It sounds, yeah. And my brain just. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I, I'm old, people. Leave me alone. My brain well, is failing. when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot she was in that. And then I watched it again. I was like, oh, wait, no, no, no. no. She just looks like her. Um, but she does kind of look like her. But anyway, Carla. Gugino. Gugino. Yeah. Gugino. 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 Yeah. She plays Jesse, um, and then you have uh, uh, Bruce Greenwald as Gerald, who is a, a Mike Flanagan regular. 
Um, he is in just about uh, everything I think Mike Flanagan puts out. Um, most recent, most recently, he was in the Fall of the House of Usher, which is like his his new big thing uh, that everybody was all psyched about. Um, which I haven't watched yet because I went and uh, reading the the novella, short story, whatever it is, uh, by Poe, and then I was going to go back and and, and watch the because uh, that was just one that like I, I might have read twenty years ago. I don't know, but you know, don't really remember much about. But there's a bunch of familiar faces in it, um, including uh, we'll get into it. But uh, but but the tall man um, from uh, from Twin Peaks, you've got Kate Siegel, as you're going to expect to see in pretty much every damn Mike Flanagan <laughs> uh, uh, joint, um, although she plays a slightly smaller part. But really, Jesse and Gerald are 90 percent of the movie. Um, this is almost a. <laughs> almost a chamber drama type of situation yeah. really yeah really um um it, it i mean it really take 90 percent of it takes place in one room and has two characters although those two characters are are playing almost four parts in, in a lot of ways or at least three parts in most of it so gerald and jesse uh married couple slightly older you know in their i'm gonna say in their 50s um they take this trip out to the woods, you know, romantic trip to kind of help what you pick up as their struggling marriage. Um, Gerald is just a horny old business boy. That's how I would summarize him. And he's just popping Viagra before the groceries are put away. Like he's just, he's ready to fuck. And Jesse is um, feeding $200 steaks to stray demon dogs. <laughs> so that kind of gives you an idea of where she's at. Right. Um, but they've been married for like what, 10 or 11 years. So they got married a little bit, a little bit later in life, you know, in their 40s, you're right. going to expect, right? Um, but they've been together for, for a decent amount of time. It's clear that they are just rich as fuck, right? And, and it's Gerald's career who has, you know, projected them into, like, massive wealth. And, 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 and his there's some sort of strain on their relationship, especially this like sexual strain. And you don't really know exactly what's happening yet, but, but that much is made very clear. Um, he, you see very like in the early scenes, he's got these handcuffs and like, they're like, Oh, things are going to get nasty. Right. So they're going to go in the bedroom and start fooling around. And he handcuffs her to the bed. She is not super into it, but like she's trying. Right. So like it's, it's this kind of awkward scenario playing out. And then you start to figure out like he's got this very, um, I don't know, somewhat alarming kind of uh, rape fantasy type of thing. So it kind of goes back and forth between like, um, hey, like, uh, you know, he's kind of a dom type situation and he he wants her to be submissive, but then he takes it kind of too far at times so it, it gets very uncomfortable and 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 shit just kind of goes south between them pretty quickly and he is portrayed to be like this domineering like pretty pretty bad guy i would say is probably clear to say um and as they're kind of getting to the point where like he's just like essentially looks like he's going to rape his wife which listen uh, not, not the most pleasant sentence to say in the world but like that's definitely the direction it's going he just has a fucking heart attack and dies. And if you didn't know that that's what this story was about, it would be a heck of a fucking left turn. 
Um, yeah. So I did going in, even though I didn't read the story, like I had known that, that I just picked up on that spoiler at some point mm-hmm. that that's what happens with this story. Because this, this story is, you know, it's an old story, right? I don't know what year this book was read. I didn't write it down or written, but I didn't write it down. But like it's been around for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is now handcuffed to the bed. Um, she has now like kind of kicked his 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 lifeless body off the bed. He has fallen off the bed, cracked his head on the floor. Blood is oozing on the floor, and she is like kind of losing it pretty quickly, yeah. as one would. Yeah. Right. I, I I gotta say, like, props to Bruce Greenwood in this scene because he is pulling off like the the rapey older douche bro pretty well. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. when he has his heart attack, he makes like the most pathetic noises as he goes down. It's, it's just like he's fucking great. dude. Yeah. He is so underrated as an actor. Yeah. Like every time I see him on screen, he's fucking Bruce Greenwood's tremendous. Yeah. Like he's he's great. And just like the 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 whimpering and just the last gasp. That's just like a wheeze and a cry at the same time. She's like, <gasps> and then that's it. It's just like, oh, what a what a bitch. He just goes out. He goes out. He just went out yeah. like a real bitch. Yeah. Gerald. <laughs> You're going to do that and your name is Gerald. Yeah, which it's just such a it's a it's such a great setup, though, for like the veneer of like these type of guys is is just that it's just a veneer because as soon as they're faced with mortality, it's "Ah, I don't want to (laughs) die. Yeah, he's all machismo until death comes knocking and it's Um, (laughs) which is so funny for us to make fun of him for being scared of death like we've ever dealt with that before. But it's just really funny to just like the way he looks like he he plays a douchebag really well. Like he does. He does. He does a great job of that Um, old rich douchebag. Like he's kind of been typecast as that, but he does it so well. So she's starting to go like kind of delirious pretty quickly. Jesse is. Um, and, uh, and she starts to hear these footsteps outside her open window. And then this stray dog rolls in and it's like a dang old, it's like a German shepherd ish type of mix. And it, it looks like a fucking demon dog. All right. It's mangy as shit. Mangy looking demon dog. And it starts munching on Gerald and she's trying to chase it away. But of course she's, she's, you know, uh, uh, uh she's handcuffed to the post of the bed. Then all of a sudden, Gerald wakes up and you're like, wait, wait, what the hell's going on? Well, you quickly kind of figure out it's just a hallucination and and shit just starts getting chatty at this point. Um, and Jesse starts reassessing her 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 life, her relationships with Gerald. And then and then you come to realize very much so with with her family as well, specifically her father, her mother as well, but specifically her father. And she watches herself like escape while kind of her second self. So so, you know, she pops up. Um, you, you've got Gerald popping up. And of course, Gerald is a corpse on the floor. But Gerald is also talking to her. Right. Um, simultaneously, you have uh, Carla uh, Gugino pop up as well who's jesse so she's talking to herself and then gerald is talking to her too so it's almost like a i mean in a sense it's it's the angel and the and the devil on her shoulder it's herself kind of reassuring her and trying to push her through and 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 explain the gravity of the situation to herself and then you also have gerald who's who's like the, the 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 
part of her consciousness that's like belittling her and like telling her she can't do it. Not always. I mean, it's it's a mixed bag, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not quite as as clear cut as that, but but that's kind of the gist of what you're getting. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of like uh, I don't know. I guess we can call her maybe Ghost Jesse or Future Jesse yeah. or something like that. Right. But like a lot of her stuff is also kind of the logic and problem solving. So it's not just like yep. girl bossing, you can do it. It's also like remember, you know, remember the tag. You can roll up the tag and use it as a straw. And like mm-hmm. whereas Gerald, even even though a lot of his stuff is negative, there's also one that kind of stuck out to me where she's trying to figure out like how long can water how can a person how long can a person last without water? And yeah. he's like mm, three days or something. He's like, Yeah, that sounds right. I think I read that somewhere. Where like that's yeah. that's really her brain telling like she's trying to remember and I just thought I thought that's clever but the way it's framed of him being yeah. unsure and negative as well. Well, he it's kind of like it's her, it's it's her, she is the person that is within deep within herself that that has the the capabilities of of working out how to get out of this, and he is the. Not necessarily always negative, but is the 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 kind of que- he, he she's the inner voice and he's like the outer voice a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like maybe that's something she obviously knew. They're both inner voices, but like he, she had learned that from somewhere else. So that's how he brings it into the picture. Um, I don't know if I'm doing a great job describing that, but anyway, so she like watches herself escape. While her second self is arguing with fake Gerald about like whether or not that that would work kind of thing. So anyway, um, you know, he gets this you start to get these hints of her very traumatic past. There's a whole saga with this water glass on a shelf, which is this great suspense. So she's trying to get to the water glass. She gets the water glass. It was the glass that he used to take the Viagra. And then eventually she gets it, but she can't reach it. Like you mentioned, she ends up using a tag off of her like nighty that she had bought to, to kind of like, you know, be romantic or whatever. Um, and she rolls that up and uses it as a straw. So she's able to drink some water, keep herself alive a little bit longer. But it becomes this like waiting game type of thing. Meanwhile, the dog is eating Gerald, right? <laughs> so like this is <laughs> some brutality happening. Um this is what really what comes to like the, my favorite element of the story. And this is such a great representation of, of, of what Stephen King does really well that I love is his stories. His best stories are very dreamlike um, and, and you don't really know what's real and what isn't real. Everything he does, like Stephen King, for if you're a fan of Stephen King, you know that he, everything he does is very character driven. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you are whether you're seeing it from the character's point of view or another character's point of view whatever it's first or third person everything's very character driven and oftentimes his best psychological stuff is you know this kind of unreliable narrator in this case great example she's kind of losing her mind she's delirious you don't know whether she doesn't know whether she can trust herself or not um she wakes up in the middle of the night again delirious from from stress and 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 this traumatic experience but also like dehydration and and hunger and all this stuff she's been you know it's been at this point i don't know 24 ish hours i forget exactly but she wakes up and there's this big creepy guy 
big, tall son of a bitch over in the corner of the room. And you just kind of see his, his, his silhouette. And, and then he walks up and he's, he's just this big creepy guy with this kind of like uh, strange looking skeletal structure. And he's got a big old damn bag of bones and jewelry and stuff. And you're like, this is not cool. <laughs> and you just assume this is really part of her, you know, kind of hallucinations and, 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 and kind of, uh, 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 you know, traumatic, um, stuff that she's going through right um pretend gerald starts like freaking out on her in the morning and it's this very creepy monologue about her not just dying and dying alone and dying he keeps saying like dying hard like this really because he wakes up she has these insane cramps and it's just it's harrowing right um there's a lot of scenes in this movie that i can only describe as harrowing yeah and 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 then uh, she starts he starts explaining like, well, that guy in the room is like death coming to get you. So then you're like, oh, OK, maybe maybe it's not real. Right. Um, but but then she's then he's like, then why did the dog leave? Because the dog was real. We know the dog was real. That happened yeah. really early. Yeah, on. we saw the dog before so she like, was even in peril. So, yeah. yeah. So you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he fed her the steak, fed the dog the steaks outside. So you know the dog's real. And then you're like, oh, fuck, something did scare the dog away. It might be that big son of a bitch. Um, so then, you know, uh, uh, Gerald starts, you know, fake Gerald starts calling her mouse. And you start to get these flashbacks of her dad calling her that as a kid. There's all this tie into the solar eclipse that happened when she was a kid, when they were on a family vacation. Um, you start to understand these issues with her mom, but then you understand that her dad was a full on, full on molester. There is this really wildly uncomfortable and really unpleasant scene to watch with her dad, who is a lawyer, and he's just he's just a fucking piece of shit. And uh, and and essentially what had happened was um, while her, you know, siblings and mom were away, her dad, uh, uh, I guess, like masturbated while she was sitting on his lap, like during the eclipse. It was like this it yeah. was really, like I said, extremely unpleasant, fucked up scene. And then like not only that, but like gaslit her into thinking it was her fault and that she would be in trouble for it and that she should never tell anyone and just like classic abuser behavior. Um, and that's when she wakes up in like a lot of pain and, and all these cramps and stuff. And it's just, it's like a, just a brutal series of sequences. Um, so she's really got to face a lot of demons about her abusive father and her past that she is like very explicitly buried like buried very very deep in her in her psyche in her subconscious um but anyway you start to see the the she notices a footprint of the big guy that came in and she's like questioning is it death coming to get me or is he like some weird like local drifter or something like that and having not heard this read the book and and not even under really knowing how much of this is in the book you really found yourself questioning like because he's like he 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 looks supernatural right. in a lot of ways right he's got this like 
very um, not human look to him. Not only is he extremely tall, he's got this very, you know, interesting kind of bone structure to his skull. The guy's name is uh, uh, Carol Streichen. Streichen. He plays. Um, so, like, if you saw him horror fan you will immediately recognize him from a, a, a number of things not only does he play like the giant in in twin peaks um, but he also plays lurch in the adams family uh from from the 90s he's in men in black he's in in adams family value for that matter like he plays lurch that's right. probably the thing most people remember him from but also twin peaks would be his other big big credit but he has been in a million he's in doctor sleep speaking of stephen king like he plays one of the uh and mike flanagan oh yeah of course and mike flanagan yeah. <laughs> um so he's a he's a mike flanagan guy he's a, he's definitely been in some stephen king adaptations you'll recognize him immediately and and he has uh and i looked this up but i did not write it down um but he I don't want to speak at a turn here in terms of like the unique look that he has, but he has a very unique kind of um, uh, 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 like cranial structure. Yeah. So I, um, that they really play up in the movie with makeup yeah. too. Right? So yeah, yeah, I was gonna say they 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 do it they do it up more with you know the the makeup, but like yeah yeah all the other movies we mentioned he he pretty much goes you know sans makeup because for the most part he's a really tall. I mean he just is seven foot foot tall. And then, yeah, I don't know if he actually suffers from acromegalia, like they say in the film. Um, but that's usually what. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if he does or yeah, not. That's yeah, usually what he, causes he, people he to be that uh, uh, like to be that tall and then have kind of the more severe features of like larger mm -hmm. hands and like longer arms. And yeah, you know, so that to the point that they look even more out of proportion. But then they yeah. in this film, they accentuate it even more by putting like a bunch of fucking tumors on his head, essentially. So, yeah, really dramatic with the with the prosthetics in this movie. But even in real life, like he has a very pronounced jawline, yeah. like his facial structure is very is very linear yeah. and very, very like uh, pronounced and kind of deep features. What, uh, just quickly before we move on, one of my favorite roles that I saw him very early on in was he was in both Oblivion and Oblivion 2, which were Roger Corman sci-fi Western movies. And he plays uh, he plays yeah. Gaunt, the uh, the Undertaker. It fucking it, it just rules. So, yeah, go watch his movies. Didn't we talk about Oblivion re recently, too? I feel Not like recently. Oh, no, no, no. You know what it was? I know why is because um, I posted something about White Buffalo oh, with Charles okay. Bronson on the Instagram and somebody called out Oblivion because Western, yeah. you know, sci-fi-ish, creepy, uh, horror Western mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Oblivion fucking rules so hard. That might be the, <laughs> that might be the punishment movie if I win. Because <laughs> I know you, you haven't seen it. yourself, you rat fuck. No, 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 no like, I haven't. But like I, I know of it. Yeah. I know what it is. Yeah, I'm sure I will. It's I got, know what it's it got is. It's been something. It's got Harry Howes and Scorpions. But yeah, let's, we'll, we'll yeah. move on. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Um, Anyway, so you get this whole big flashback to her dad, like gaslighting her to keeping the secret, like I said, and then also like pitting the mom against her. Um, it, it's really rough. I mean, it, this this movie, not only is it like harrowing at times, but like this is this along with. Uh, every, all four of these movies, if somebody described them as 
emotionally devastating, <laughs> I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> like all four of these movies are 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 fucking at times a tough watch. The, um, the Dead Zone. The Dead Zone is really the only one that isn't. Maybe not that it isn't. Not that it isn't because it is. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's the it's the one that is the least devastating and has like Stilson blocking himself with a child. <laughs> is the least yeah. worst thing that happens to a kid in these four movies. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait we get to it. It's more melancholy right. than, than emotionally devastating. Yeah. The rest of the movies are that. Um, anyway, uh, I just forgot how, how, how much of that is in this movie. I think the first time I watched this movie in 2017, like, I was... I was hardcore stoned. Like, I think I was like fucking zooted out when I watched this movie when it first came out. So I was just like a little numb to it. And this time I was just like stone sober watching it, taking notes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck me. Yeah. (laughs) This movie's heavy. Yeah. This movie, this movie is simply through, um, simply through competency of filmmaking. I feel like this movie is the biggest bummer of the four because, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of the end of the mist. But yeah, yeah, the end. But that's the thing. Like the mist has a definite turn where it becomes yeah. it, it veers from B movie monsters to oh Jesus, this is like getting serious. Whereas <laughs> this movie's always serious, and it's I'm I'm just saying it's well done from you know Mike Flanagan, but like it's just a total mm. bummer because of all the subject matter. And Pet Cemetery should be the biggest bummer. But it's cartoonish in such a way that it keeps it from landing in a way that hurts you. It does. It it's it's almost feels like there's a little bit of bubble wrap around mm-hmm. it, it because it is so. I don't even know if I would call it cartoonish as much as I would call it like um. It feels like a fantasy or a dream. So it feels yeah. like you're like it's a bad dream you could just wake up. Yeah, from. I, I would also just you know. say the the performance of Lewis is done cartoonishly is that's the biggest cartoonish part for me so <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair yeah. that's fair now that you say that um in any case uh this is my favorite scare of the movie and i'm usually not a big jump scare guy and 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 the thing about this that is really distressing isn't even the jump but she wakes up and uh, uh or she like kind of opens her eyes after all this and and the demon guy the fucking you know uh, uh tall they what they call the moonlight man is licking her toes yeah and it's like oh jesus Christ. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> but then it turns out it's actually she wakes up and it's the dog right. which is also this dog is gonna try to eat her so like it's not it's not that much better but it's better than a seven foot tall guy with a big bald head licking your toes but um <laughs> This is a scene that I'm not going to do justice to, but like you should watch this movie because there's a really chilling scene of Gerald explaining to her how they're going to find her corpse. Mm -hmm. It is fucking chilling, chilling stuff. Um, She comes to the realization, Jesse, that that she's going to have to cut her hand off by breaking the glass of water and wedging it into the shelf above her and then she like saws around her wrists and, and basically like degloves herself yeah and it is rough oof. rough oof, rough oof. rough uh, maybe i'm maybe it's my age as i'm aging i'm not mm-hmm. I, maybe i don't have the stomach for this kind of stuff anymore this was brutal 
And then there's a film I recommended in January for our patrons um, starring mm-hmm. Natasha Leone called uh, Antibirth. And there is some foot yeah. stuff in that that I just like that I cringed at. And I'm just like, what the fuck is like, that's so gross. But like the degloving in this is done so well. And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, the practical effects are so good. And also, this is not a violent movie for the most part, mm-hmm. aside from like a dog chewing on some skin over in the corner. So it really hits home. I mean, this is the great, great version of like less is more. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So she gets her hand out. She kind of eventually now she's got some leverage so she can move the bed now. Um, Her whole plan works. And, uh, you know, and, and she gets out. She gets over to the key. Um, she gets over, you know, she gets the key, she unlocks herself, but she's lost so much blood. She's so dehydrated as she gets, as she's escaped, you know, you're like, oh my God, she did it. You're so excited for her. But then she passes out and she wakes up and the fucking dog's trying to eat her, which is like the thing you're most, I mean, you're worried about the dog, but then you're worried about the moonlight man. Anyway, he, she chases the dog off. She gets the car keys and in perhaps the most memorable scene in the movie, she gets the car keys. She's walking out of the house. And at the end of the hall, you see the fucking moonlight man stand in there at the end of the hall. And you get this showdown between them and the hall. And she walks up to him. And, and you got to remember, like, as the viewer, you're starting to understand that maybe he is real. Like, it's actually like, fuck, he might be real. Mm-hmm. But she's not sure. So she walks up to him. And he's just kind of standing there, like blocking her way out. And, you know, he had seen that he was collecting jewelry and and, and, or or, or trinkets of some sort. He had this bag he showed her earlier. So you're like, is he stealing this from corpses? Is he killing people? You don't know. So she gives him, you know, so there's obviously some some symbolism in this where she gives him her wedding ring. And he's like kind of satiated in a way by that and lets her pass. She drives off in her car and she's nodding off at the wheel. She starts hallucinating of him in the back seat. Um, and she crashes into a tree and she wakes up and, and the neighbors have kind of come to, to help her fast forward. And she's kind of mostly recovered at this point. So it's been, almost a year i think at this point you know they did a lot of surgeries on her hand she's got most of the functionality back of of her hand um and and she keeps seeing the moonlight man in in her dreams every night with these fucking sick glowing like supernatural looking red eyes and she's like at this point she's like no uh, she's she's kind of still questioning whether he's real or not as, as one would. So as a viewer, we're also questioning whether he's real. <laughs> and then she starts this, you know, a, a foundation with, you know, because, of course, she got a bunch of uh, 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 insurance money from Gerald's death. So she starts this foundation, starts helping people who have suffered from uh, ab- abuse, uh, uh, you know, sexual abuse and, and, and that sort of stuff, especially as children. So she's helping people and and kind of really dealing with her trauma by helping people. And then she sees this newspaper article 
that confirms that the Moonlight Man was real. I I love this and, and the subsequent scene, but I also, this is the one time where this movie suffers from the, this is a book being made into a movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, 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 and all of our movies tonight do that in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really, for the most part, this I think was a really good adaptation, even though I haven't read the book, but it felt like a movie still. Up until this po- this part, yeah. where where it's her doing a lot of voiceover, and it, right exposition, yeah, and that and that's partially like King, not King's fault, but the difficulty of adapting King, because so much of King is internal monologue, and people remembering yeah. their trauma and people remembering their stories. Like there, there's just like one shot earlier in this film where she's on the bed, and I haven't read the book myself. But like she has she has this specific butterfly tattoo on her ankle and it's yeah. very clearly and like I can almost guarantee if that's in the book and not just Carla's own tattoo, then King probably spends two fucking pages on the time she went and got that tattoo, you know, because so, oh, he, sure. he loves that kind of detail in bolstering what brings his characters to that point, you know. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, yeah. I agree the the ending it's it feels almost like a sex in the city epilogue the way she <laughs> is just like writing out this note and like monologuing so wildly such a wildly inappropriate know, analogy but accurate too i know I, content wise it's inappropriate <laughs> but execution wise it's like very similar <laughs> i get what you're saying yeah i mean all four of these movies kind of struggle from that even the mist which is a which is you know I, I forget. I want to say it's only like it, it can't be more than about 50 or 60 pages, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, it might be a little longer. It's been a little while since I've read it. But, um, you know, the rest of these books are like, you know, are like three and four hundred page books right. um, stories. So uh, but anyway, she says, but but I do like the reveal. It's it's pretty good in the sense that he's like. He's going through his progression which i think this is a good way like of course this was a challenge of the filmmakers but i think they made the best of it in the sense that she describes it as a progression so you get some more like scary moments not scary moments but it's almost like somebody's reading you a scary bedtime story she's like well he started out as just like coming and stealing jewelry from corpses then he did this then he escalated you know and 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 then eventually started killing people and doing like horrible things to their corpses um but but refers to him as the crypt keeper as well mm-hmm. which is just like i mean obviously when we think of the crypt keeper we think of this, you know silly little guy with the puns but like this is like the real deal scary crypt keeper well it was the crypt creeper but eventually crypt creeper, creeper yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he basically goes full Ed Gein at, at one point. Right. Um, she explains. But then there's this this whole like sequence where she's writing the letter to her child self, and and like basically she's going to, uh, 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 you know, approach and, and and face her fear, which of course and her trauma, which of course was was her father. But in this case, she's going to face the surrogate of her father which is uh, uh which is the moonlight man and i love this scene i fucking love this scene it just is bonkers in in the best way possible so she goes to his arraignment 
Okay. So she just walks in unannounced to a courtroom and he is standing before the judge and he is what you saw. He is a seven foot tall, big hulking fucking guy with the big head. And she walks in and everyone kind of looks at her and she walks through the gate straight up to him. And he says, and I didn't write it down, but it's something like, Oh, you're made of moonlight or whatever. Yeah. Like he's he, he's I think he's actually repeating something she said to him because he, she is yeah, because yeah. he's or he's he saying uh, you're not real. You're not real. You're made of moonlight. Yes. Which is what she said to him earlier. So like what it says to us as the as the viewer in that moment is that he is. Doesn't live in the same reality as the rest right. of us. And he, and he is capable of anything. And he turns and he's shackled up, kind of has like the, the ankle and, and, and wrist shackles that you would see a, like an extremely dangerous inmate have in the courtroom. And he just pulls them apart like they're made of, you know, nothing. And the whole place gasps. And it's such a great scene. And she just stands up to him in that moment because he's almost this like Lenny of Mice and Men type <laughs> character where like she just like stands up to him and he just kind of like, I don't want to say cowers, but is just like completely taken aback by her standing up to him because he's used to people reacting to him in a totally different way because he's so, you know, formidable and foreboding. Right. right? Um but uh, it, it's a great it's a great scene. I'm not doing it justice, but um, and then, you, you know, see the the ultimately she kind of reconciles things with her child self and um, and essentially the um, the the eclipse, the darkness that was brought on by the, the symbolic eclipse that happened on that day when her father abused her, you know, is, is eventually lifted is kind of what, what we ultimately learn. So it, you know, it has, has a, a, a happy kind of redemptive ending of her kind of walking off into the, into the sunset, if you will. So, um, yeah, just like I said, emotionally draining, but also scary and threatening in so many ways and and you're just you're rooting for her right because she's got nothing but but adversity kind of from from you know every step along the way whether it be like relationship driven to you know gerald to the fucking dog to the horrifying big guy like it's just uh and then ultimately you know facing her uh her demons and everything yeah. so i just you know i saw this movie in 2017 i really liked it but like I said, I think was just stoned enough to not really have to deal with as emotionally <laughs> devastating as this. And then I watched it this time around. And the more I watch and I know like he's kind of got a mixed bag in terms of fans and how people feel about him. But overall, I am just I'm a Mike Flanagan fan. Like I, I'm just sorry. like no matter what, I've never seen anything from him that I'm not like, fuck, no, that was even if it's not exactly what I expected or would have ideally wanted, I still never walk away, you know, questioning the vision and the execution. Yeah. I like he's competent and I like a lot of his stuff and I like probably 95% of this movie. It's just kind of that last mm -hmm. wrap up that I am like, eh, all right. And then, yeah, more specifically, the line she delivers in court and I don't know if this is in the book 
or if this is his that's this that's the problem is i don't know if he was just being too too much of a stickler to the source material or mm-hmm. if he wrote his own thing in that just isn't that good but the line of yeah you aren't so big just feels ah it just or wasn't it like i remember you being bigger or something like that no i think it's i mean it might be that but it's still along the lines it, it's yeah. still just along the lines of you like you're not so big and it's just like it, it i don't know it just took all the wind out of the sails because she does I that she does that and then she girl bosses out of the court in into the daytime and i'm just like <laughs> that wasn't what this was about like anything else even just staring him down or just spitting in yeah. his face or yeah just something just something less it doesn't have the it doesn't have the emotional impact of the direness of everything else we just watched yeah i mean i i can see what you're where you're coming from I don't love the the line either. And I, I remember it was something along those lines, right? We're on the same page in terms. It was something about you being not as big as I thought you were kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, I, I, I like that it was belittling to the, to the threat mm-hmm. because it, you know, even though it wasn't like a, uh, you know, fucking cobra style line i i I do i do like that it was like because it was more for her than him right yeah and and there is it was more like wow i i i had this really built up in my head and of course she's talking about the trauma with her father right yeah you know there's the there's the obvious parallel parallelism of like because he's a giant and he towers over a grown woman there's the parallelism that goes back to her and her father, where he would have been more physically intimidating as well. Yeah. But we're talking about somebody who degloved herself, standing up to somebody who eats people. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you're not so big. Bah, sashay away. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everybody we, in that well, courtroom you- has to be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Well, you're you're taking exception to the way that she did literally sassy away kind of a sexy dress in the last scene. That's that was the part that I was like, that's a little on the nose. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, they could have not. They didn't completely botch it. But no. yes, in, in my opinion, but it could have been it could have been more devastating. I think the real thing that sold the scene was the look on his face. Yeah. When she said that to him, which was like a. Because he's used to people cowering, you know, and it's not like he's necessarily trying to get her to cower. He's not. In fact, he says this very like almost childlike line, but it's the. No one stood up to me before, and this is how I react when somebody stands up to me. Right. Kind of thing. Exactly. That's what sells the scene. Um, So it didn't it didn't it didn't bother me as much as i think it bothered you but i i can see yeah i i can see what you're saying and i guess the other part of that is like exactly what you just said that this killer is a fucking simpleton because yeah they've even laid out like you know he called his sister mommy and her husband daddy and so like he 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 if you look at it he's not grass yeah no if you look at it face value it's not that he's confused that he's being stood up to it's, he's confused that somebody said you're not so big to me in the middle of court. Like he doesn't even know the processions of what's going on, and then somebody yeah. else came and yelled at him. So it's not it doesn't it doesn't have the impact for him either. He's just like me not big. Uh oh. <laughs> like 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's saying it to her dad. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. Which she's is, saying which it to is, her dad, and, and, and it's for her, and it's for her younger self. It's all that, but it's also just and, like And he's uh, also like, but he's they they do maybe they make him too sympathetic because like he he should be a little bit more sinister, right. perhaps. Yeah. And I think that they try to make him I think the the way that they make it more like emotionally charged in terms of like him being more sinister is the way he pulls his cuffs off. Right. You know, and it's like, even though maybe he's not his, his, his intentions aren't, uh, uh, to harm in that moment. He is threatening, right? He's, he is so physically threatening because he just rips off his cuffs. Like they, they might as well, it might as well have been a, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a rubber band or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah yeah it, yeah it's just a weird and again it's hard it's hard for me to say what what you know what the choices were because i haven't read the book so i can't same yeah, yeah. so i don't know it felt like it they felt like they were keeping it pretty faithful i don't know i i am gonna read this book because i i i, I really like i really like the story and like i used to be like ah oh, fuck if i run i watch the movie like i don't want to read the story but there's so many ones that differ so much and mm-hmm. now it's become kind of an interesting thing for me to go back and like i've been going back and reading some of the less uh uh, uh less like like tier two tier three lovecraft stories mm-hmm. that have that have movies circled around them right yeah. not like call of cthulhu and, and not like uh you know um at the mounds of madness like some of the yeah. like tier two and tier three lovecraft stories recently and i'm like it actually doesn't detract from it that much that I've seen a movie that comes close to no. it because they're very, very different. Yeah, yeah. Most of the Lovecraft yeah. stuff is like because it was one written of the time and like mm-hmm. they're they're pretty short for the most part. So, yeah, you, I mean, you have the to longest thing you're going to have is like 70, 80 pages. Like yeah. Everything else is like between six and 40 pages. Yeah. So you have to actually put in a lot of padding to make a Lovecraft movie, whereas mm-hmm. the Stephen King movie, you have to take a lot out. So, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, that was Gerald's game, guys. Um, what, what do you what do you want to do first, Steve? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of flipping the coin because it, it's like I could do the dead zone because um, mm-hmm. I because you started with your weakest one. And I, 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 I maybe think the dead zone might be my weaker one. Um, mm, I wouldn't disagree with that. But also at the same time do people want to sit and wait for me to talk about the mist? So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. I don't yeah. Know. I think, I think I'm going to go with the mist. I'm going to go with the mist. Okay. You can't resist. Can't resist the mist. The mist is on your list. How did, uh, was Sierra mist out in 2007? <laughs> Were they, did they, did they have um, a product tie in? They should have had one. <laughs> they should have. I feel like that was like probably not far off from Sierra Nevis, Sierra Miss uh, uh, introduction. Yeah. How did, how, did, how did we not get that? But all right. Come yeah. on, guys. Let's get into The Mist 2007, directed by Frank Darabont. And mm-hmm. boy, there's a lot behind this movie that like this movie was almost very, very different from what it turned out to be. And yeah. I, I know I texted you earlier in the week. But they put out a Blu-ray of the film and they put out uh, Frank Darabont included a black and white cut on that Blu-ray. Yeah. 
Now you can go on archive.com and you can find it. <laughs> and so you can watch a two hour black and white film if you want. And I suggest it because this was. I didn't because I had already watched. Well, and I also have it on DVD. Mm-hmm. So I had already watched it on DVD. Um, and I've seen this movie by far the most out of any of these four movies. Like I, I've probably seen this movie 10 fucking times. Yeah. Cause it used to be on sci-fi oh, yeah. and or IFC in like the 2010s. Like this was a regular rotation movie. So I've seen this movie a lot. Oh yeah, for sure. So, but I've not seen the black and white version. I do want to do that. Cause I, I love this movie. So I totally suggest it because one, it actually was the original intention. Frank wanted to, Make it black and white from the start. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, studio told him no, like because he had already been fighting with the studio about <laughs> the ending. He's like, I want less people to see this movie. Yeah. And they were like, no, Frank, no. <laughs> He's like, I want this movie to be impenetrable. And then I'm going to bum everybody out. <laughs> to be honest, though, the CGI would have looked better in black and white. I'm sure it looks better. Well, that, in black yeah, that's, and white. What, that's why I wanted to bring up. It, it actually really yeah. does look better. Um, not everything, but a lot of things do. A, a significant amount of the, the animation almost looks stop motiony just mm, i can see that just like kind of it feels like at a different frame rate almost like you know the movie's running at 24 and the monsters are running at 15 so it kind of mm-hmm. has that almost harry housen like look uh, in a especially co- the flying shit exactly the yeah yeah the pterodactyls stuff, yeah. yeah the pterodactyls f- like feel way like a harry housen thing now in the uh mm-hmm. the tentacle still looks pretty bad um <laughs> well i mean that's 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 the sticking point yeah. everyone hates the tentacle mm-hmm. but like once you know it's coming you're like you're not even thinking yeah. about it it happens but early. the rest <laughs> of the creatures look pretty good like yeah. I, I always thought they looked pretty good oh yeah For all, 2007 yeah all the creatures this movie's almost 20 fucking years old right like not quite not but, quite yeah. but it's getting there it's over 15 so <laughs> yeah so like yeah it's getting there and then you have like the the little bug creatures who also have like mm-hmm. human teeth, which is so upsetting. <laughs> like that's my favorite. Yeah, uh, they. Yeah, they <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I'm watching Predator 2018 right now. It doesn't look that much better. No, <laughs> no, that movie, the movie CGI is ass. I don't know why they did so much CGI in it. <laughs> I'm in this scene right now with like the big giant Predator. He, like mm-hmm. when he busts into the fucking like apartment, you know, and he's like looking at the Pikachu and yeah. shit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, this looks like dog shit. It looks terrible. <laughs> And this was 11 years later. Yeah, yeah. They I, they gave Shane Black like no money for that movie. I think I don't know what happened on that one. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. So the the mist is based off the short novella, and it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple setup. You have you know the the army's doing experiments, and they unleash the mist, but they unleash it on a small town where people don't know what the fuck's going on. And everybody's just kind of, you know, drawn into the mist. Uh, it starts with a terrible thunderstorm, which, you know, sets up our kind of protagonist family of Thomas Jane and his son and the wife. And then they go over to talk to the neighbor who's played by Andre. Uh, is it Brar? Brar. Yeah, it's Brar. Brar. Yeah, Andre Brar. Uh, R.I.P. He just passed away last month, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, of of Brooklyn Nine Nine fame. Yeah, yeah Brooklyn Nine Nine. My favorite characters of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's just great. Like he's great in most of the films he does. And like that's the other thing about mm-hmm. this film. This film is like an ensemble cast. Like like oh yeah, the cast rules. And we'll talk about it when we get to uh, the, the 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 supermarket, which 
basically just happens right after, you know, you, you get this setup between Thomas Jane's character and Andre Brar's character. You know, they, they have a strained relationship as neighbors. They obviously had some legal issues with each other, but they're willing to set that aside because, you know, his car, <laughs> uh, you know, Andre's car had been destroyed in the storm. So they're willing to ride out the town and get some supplies at the supermarket. Mm. The supermarket is where you just get the entire sense of the town. Everybody's kind of not so much panicked because the mist hasn't set in yet, but everybody's there gathering supplies because of the storm. And you start getting snapshots of all the characters. And then this is where like you get to meet pretty much everybody that you're going to spend the rest of the time with. And again, it's just a cavalcade of like character actors. Um, mm-hmm. Marsha Gay Harden plays Mrs. Carmody, who turns into the villain of the film but she is you know like this religious nut who's just like you know spouting off she doesn't have much to spout off but you know she'll just run her mouth anyway uh you have which is not in the story like she was a character in the story but she wasn't a weird religious zealot in the story Mm -hmm. yeah that's i like it i I, like i like it in this I, i feel like that was like it was tighter and you could learn to hate her and mistrust her sooner knowing that her motivations were you know as a religious zealot knowing that they are driven by bunkum yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i mean it it was just a way of accelerating your distrust for her which right. i liked yeah and one thing i will so but before we get into the character one thing i think because i'm going to forget is that i dislike though is that what it doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter. But this is set in Louisiana, the movie, mm-hmm. which is so weird because everything is set in in Maine, right? Or, right. or in the, the the in in New England, it, when it comes to to King, uh, King specifically Maine, ninety percent of the time. Yeah. And this story is no different. But for some reason, they decided to set the 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 um, movie in louisiana but think, it could have just as easily been maine i don't, <laughs> I, don't I think i exactly. think that actually might be a concession um like i think that's a concession to the state of louisiana because it was filmed there it was filmed in louisiana so they might have had to call it louisiana you know what i'm saying remember how we talked oh, about oh i see yeah remember how we yeah, talked about abu dhabi pays for people to come to film in abu dhabi and furious seven <laughs> So but you might- know what? This is not a great this is not a great representation of Louisiana. We no. have religious zealots. We have kind of shitty grocery stores. Like you know, <laughs> it's not like it's like Abu Dhabi looked glamorous, you know what I mean? True, true, but true. In in that movie. <laughs> Look, I every fucking this is I think this is before Georgia figured out how to do their tax credit. And they didn't make everything yeah. set in Georgia, but everything has to be tagged with that Georgia peach made in Georgia fucking thing now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this, this is 2007. They were just figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I still think they don't necessarily say that it's in Louisiana, though. I think it's still kind of supposed to be a stand in for Maine. Really? I, yeah, I because I, 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 I don't think they say they it say something. Mm. See, I don't Maybe I, not. I, I might yeah. be wrong. Yeah. It is filmed in Louisiana for sure, but yeah, um, I I don't think they actually ever get uh, uh, specific about where it's at, and so we just assume 
yeah, we're getting we're getting chats from we're getting chats from the patrons right now. Dan saying yeah. he doesn't say he doesn't remember that either. I, I am struggling to remember that as well, but I will say that they never you don't have a bunch of Mainer accents no. like you would typically in 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 you know i mean obviously pet cemetery is gratuitous but you get the idea like i'm i i don't remember that either but yeah yeah you don't have enough you don't have enough regional accents to set off one way or the other so yeah but i mean there did does seem to be like a whole host of rednecks that for some reason seem vaguely southern to me but they don't have southern <laughs> accents so i guess you're probably right it's yeah. pretty much just like this is a small rural town in anywhere USA. Right. Which maybe part, you know, I think I believe you're referring to William Sadler as Jim mm. and David Jensen yeah. as Myron. Like they both are kind of Myron. Myron. They're both kind of, you know, southernly bumpkin. And I don't think yeah. anybody. It's one of those things. Nobody told them a location. So they just did location accent for like where they're shooting <laughs> they just assume well yeah, nobody's yeah. telling us anything so we're just going to do the stuff for the but i mean still yeah yeah still it's william sadler like that dude fucking rules you'll obviously remember him oh he's great as the grim reaper from the bill and ted's movies but also you know he's in <laughs> shawshank redemption frank darabont again that you know flanagan likes to reuse his guys darabont likes to reuse mm. his guys <laughs> so oh yeah i mean he's he's in He's in fucking everything. Yeah. Always playing a bastard, too. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's such a great bastard, which is either a bastard or a or a or a mechanic. I swear that's like <laughs> those are his two characters. Bastard or mechanic. And in this one, he's or mechanic both. mechanic bastard. This one's he's both. Yeah. Oh, is he a mechanic in this movie? I, I mean, I assume because like both him and Myron are wearing like jumpsuits. And they're all covered in grease. Yeah, you're right. They're covered right. in grease. Yeah, they know how they know how to run the generator. They have like little name tags on their jumpsuits. So yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. mechanics and bastards. But he, he <laughs> starts as a mechanic and turns to a bastard. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh let's see. Who else do we have that's in the store with us? We have uh Toby Jones, who plays Ollie Weeks. And mm-hmm. like you'll recognize him from a bunch of stuff. He's he was like in the Hunger Games. He was in one of the Captain America movies. So like he's kind of all over the place. He was just recently in Indiana Jones Five. I didn't see it, but he was there. So hmm. he's yeah. I mean he's he's one of those characters. He has a hundred and forty acting credits. You've seen him somewhere. <laughs> you are a hundred percent going to recognize him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Jeffrey Demun, who plays Dan Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Miller is kind of our canary in the coal mine. Because he runs out, he runs out of the mist as the mist is approaching and he's all bloody and he's screaming, there's something in the mist. And this is where mm-hmm. things get set off. And you you start like this monster movie because the mist yeah. descends on the supermarket, trapping everybody inside. People are generally freaked out and they don't want to go out into the mist. Except for one woman who... who is desperate to go get her kids and she just runs off. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing that's great about watching it in black and white. The way people and objects fade in and out of the mist is fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's it's so amazing. I can, I can imagine that looks fantastic. And she's a she's another uh Walking Dead alum. She's a long I mean, she's a huge character in The Walking Dead. She plays is it it's Carol, right? Right. She plays Carol uh, in The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, in The Walking Dead. Yeah, I didn't see her on the IMDb here. She's further down, but she's a huge, long, long term character in the walk. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, the, the other one who's pretty big in The Walking Dead for the first couple seasons is uh, Lori Holden. She plays the teacher mm-hmm. in this film, uh, but she plays uh, An- uh, Andrea in the uh, yep. in The Walking Dead. And she's there for quite a few seasons, too. I want to say she's at least three, if not four seasons, right? I'm pretty sure it's three because I'm pretty sure she yeah. Get, yeah, she makes it out of the uh, thing. She makes it out of the farm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Jeffrey DeBunn's on there as well. Like Jeffrey, yep. Jeffrey DeBunn's also another kind of Darabont standard because he was also in the Green Mile. So like mm-hmm. just, yeah, constant. <laughs> he doesn't make it quite as far in The Walking Dead. No. He's always the same type of like sympathetic dad character. Mm-hmm. Which he which he plays in yeah. this as well as, you know, and it's effective. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, after the mist descends, you have you, it's just. It turns into a monster movie, but it's a mystery monster movie because shit, it, it's always something new coming out of the mist. It's always, mm-hmm. you know, like it starts with the tentacles in the back and you get this generator that's flaring up. And so you have to assume like something's clogging the air vent and then you find out it's damn tentacles clogging the air vent. Sons of bitch and tentacles. Ain't it always tentacles? Always tentacles. But throughout this, you you also get the divides in the supermarket crowd. You have mm-hmm. the people who are logical and are believing what they see, which is mainly Thomas Jane, but also Ollie Weeks pretty much always has his back. And then Amanda, you know, the teacher has his back. Right. Because they're witnessing the shit and they're just like taking it at face value. There's a weird threat and we don't understand it, but we have to mm-hmm. do something about it. Then you have Mrs. Carmody and everything is Jesus with her. Everything is the reckoning. Everything is, you know, destruction. (laughs) Yeah. Everything is confirmation bias. Yeah. It's confirmation bias of the end of days. And that's just where her mindset is. Like Mm -hmm. Thomas Jane, you get no sense that his Drayton character believes. Um, But in the, at the same time, Andre Braher's character of Brent he doesn't necessarily believe the mumbo jumbo either, but he doesn't believe right. in sitting around and being a victim. He doesn't believe what's happening is even happening at all. Yeah. And so like he's he leads a group into the parking lot and that's kind of the first, you know, that's the first group to go. And I just love this scene because they it's a whole bunch of them who run out, you know, uh, Andre Braher, a couple other guys and they're like this big biker dude. And he mouths off to Mrs. Carmody before he leaves. And mm-hmm. he has like a rope tied around him as they're, you know, running out. So they want to see, you know, like around his waist. Right. Yeah. 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 It's around his waist. So they, they're trying to figure out like how how deep does this shit go? The wind up is just like a bunch of noise and a bunch of slack. And then there's silence as they're pulling in, you know, the line and just the, I love the reaction of when the line shifts from a white rope to a red or black, depending on what you're watching, you know, mm-hmm. blood covered rope. And then just the entire crowd that sees it just goes, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing about this movie is not my favorite thing, but like just a genius uh, 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 decision with this movie is not only putting in a grocery store of the story set in a grocery store, but the big wall of windows at the front, you know, like mm-hmm. 
pretty typical for a grocery store, but just like you could have done a different type of, of thing and it would and it just wouldn't have been a more it wouldn't have been as impactful. But this right. big wall of windows, it's like everyone is watching their their, you know, uh, potential demise, all the threats. It's almost like they're watching it on a big movie screen in front of them, you know? Right, right. Yeah, there, yeah, there's there's something very voyeuristic about it because they're mm. watching people die outside, but also you still can't make out what's in there. You don't know yeah. what's coming for you. Um, it's like you know, it's like a fucked up zoo in a way, like because mm-hmm. there's yeah, a bunch yeah. of animals, but they're coming. It's for Jurassic you. Parky. It's almost like you're standing on the side of the f- the other side of the fence in Jurassic Park, and the goat pops up on the other side, and whatever, and right. something comes out of the trees and snatches. You can't quite see it. Uh, until you do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was there was one quote that I loved is like when things are breaking down, and this is actually kind of back towards the tentacle scene. But there's the supermarket uh, uh, manager. His name's Bud, mm. and he's like upset at everybody because they they're trying to spread. He thinks they're spreading lies about a tentacle or whatever, and he's like yelling at people, and he's mad because Ollie was drinking after seeing Norm die from the tentacle, and yeah. he's like. I'm going to write all your names down <laughs> and, and all these like <laughs> write all your names down, but shut the fuck up, which is just such a like, shut up, nerd. Now's not the time for this dumb bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, stop, stop being a fucking narc for one second. Yeah, because it, 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 I mean, it's really this the signal of like collapse of society as mm-hmm. you're as you're going to know it, because like, you know, generally we live in like an obnoxious tattletale society where like i'm gonna tell the boss and you're gonna be in trouble it's like no we're all gonna die dude now's not the (laughs) time for yeah shut the fuck up for this (laughs) right um another thing i wanted to point out of just this film being in black and white and i don't know if this has happened for you or not if you watched other more modern films made in black and white Mm. but this film has so many other modern filmmaking uh, methods of there's a lot of like shallow focus where like you'll get a you'll get a frame of like Thomas Jane's face being completely, you know, like half the frame. Yeah. But then like in the background is just like it's all blurred out because he's not even focusing on what's going on in the background, but you still kind of hear it. Uh, There's also just like a lot of handheld chaos. Yes. Of like the, the camera especially like, what especially in the whole sequence when the monsters start to come inside the pterodactyl and all that stuff right yeah yeah but it, it just it looks it looks weird because the film's in black and white and when you think of like the old b monster movies most of them are just filmed on flat angle you know rarely yeah. does the camera move or anything so it's really interesting to see all this like handheld movement going on yeah so yeah yeah, I'd be interested to see it. When you texted me, I was like, I, I mean, I'm going to watch it eventually because, like I said, mm-hmm. I love this movie. I've seen it so many times, but I had already watched it for this episode. Right. So I, I didn't, but I, I'm intrigued to, to go see it because, like, yeah, I can see certain scenes. One of my favorite scenes, which we haven't gotten to yet, is when they have all the dog food bags stacked up against the front window. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just feel like that would look really cool. Yeah. You know, with the light coming through and like there's like a limited amount of light inside because they shut down some of the lights. I think that would look really cool. But I am intrigued to see how some of the more like modern camera movements would look in black and white. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just that they stick out like and you yeah. can you can focus more on those movements 
because like you're not i don't know maybe it's just because i'm not as overstimulated with the fucking color or something but just like mm-hmm. all of the all of the more modern camera movements and like focus racking and things like that all of that sticks out more mm-hmm. when you, when it's presented as a as a more old-timey movie i guess but yeah yeah uh, like you're saying though also that scene where you know like kind of it's the first night in the market and they start getting bugs on the window and they're these like giant horse flies like they're giant mm. horse flies with like human teeth and yeah. little pincers and everything and they have stingers but they had the lights shining out from the supermarket into the mist and yeah it looks amazing it looks fantastic mm-hmm. but then yeah they they learn like oh yeah the mist the our lights are attracting the bugs and then the bugs attract the pterodactyls <laughs> and then you get yeah you get this awesome chaotic scene of just like holy shit yeah <laughs> this is where you kind of get rick or i don't i just called rick you get this is where because it's, it's, it's a it's a similar dynamic of thomas jane and his son and yeah yeah and rick and his son but yeah yeah especially in the early so, seasons yeah whatever it would be cool it would be even even better i could i could imagine almost imagine uh thomas jane's kid wearing like a cowboy hat too like right yeah <laughs> doofy little cowboy hat yeah well i mean because he's also he's doing a bunch of stuff to like try and calm his son like he tries to get him candy and tries to get him comic books and just like here focus on this stuff don't worry about the monsters and you know like that you're in mortal danger but yeah like he he starts to learn like who he can't trust his son to be around because like right. the woman he left her uh, he left in charge of him like gives him up to almost get eaten by the pterodactyl and like she takes it pretty hard because she just pills out and dies mm-hmm. uh, but yeah they wind up starting a fire and they wind up setting a guy on fire which again <laughs> looks great in black and white yeah yeah I can see that which causes them they have to go get they have to go get the, the fucking medicine to help him and they find an MP who's been glued up by these spiders again with human teeth <laughs> and like mm-hmm. little skull faces. <laughs> yeah, they do it. They like skull faces. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. But the MP admits that, hey, we uh, we did this. This is our fault. Our bad guys. Whoopsie do. And then he dies yeah. and bursts into a bunch of spiders, which is crazy. Like the, everything, yeah. everything up to this point is just like crazy monster movie silliness. Yeah, you know, like the spiders are like. So I, I'll, I'll admit, I, I, like I said, I love this movie. Seen it a bunch of times. We'll continue to watch it. Um, I think this movie starts to lose me at spider explosion out of the body. Yeah, <laughs> I just it, it's just not it. It, it feels too. It, it you you lose some of the mystery of what's happening. I bit. love shit coming out of the mist. It's cool that shit's coming out of the mist. You don't know what's happening. Love the scene where they try to make a run for it, which we we, we haven't got to with this fucking spiders and shit. Like, that's fine because now you're lost in the mist and and it feels very Silent Hill-ish, right? But yeah. when they go to the, like, what is it? Is, is it a laundromat or something next door? It's a pharmacy. Uh, it's a pharmacy. Oh, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's like an old school right. pharmacy that also has, like, a lunch counter to it, too. Yeah. Yep, 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 and 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 the 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 spiders pop out of the MP and all that stuff, and he's like still alive. Yeah, that's actually a little. That's probably my least favorite part of the movie, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, I can I can see why because it does feel like so many other things, but mainly it also feels like Alien, 
Like, yeah, you're right. It does. It yeah. feels very alien like not only the popping out of him, but like just the idea of him being a host to these things. Right. Because then because you think about how like all the other monsters are like they have like a real otherworldly quality to them. Mm-hmm. And like the but yeah, the horse flies. Yeah, let it go. That doesn't bother me too much. But then spiders is just such a it's it's just such an easy layup to play on an audience's arachnophobia is what it is if it was like because the pterodactyls are cool they seem like they're from a different time right or a different fucking they seem lovecraftian right and and yeah we're gonna get some very lovecraftian shit later but like if they would have been like little crabs or something that would have been way cooler yeah little, little crabs or something like a slug of some sort yeah, you know, spiders like, are just too on the nose. Yeah, just like a slug that was like eating somebody halfway. You know, hey, that's yeah, <laughs> fucking acid slugs because they are acid. Like they spit acid. So yeah, like, they shoot acid out their butts. <laughs> yeah, acid yeah. slugs would have been cooler. I don't know. Spiders, spiders are creepy, right? Don't get me wrong, but they're just, yeah. it's just too on the nose. If, if it feels like there was like a bunch of things pitched at the wall, and they're like, somebody said spiders, and then they're like, yo, we have spiders, and you're like. Not spiders with acid butts and human faces. <laughs> and they're like, all right, fine. All right. All right. You got us. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're they're not a huge part of the story either way. Either way, like it's just a scene that they're really featured in. And then another scene is part of like what's chasing them around the parking lot. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not the biggest deal. Um but this is this is where the movie turns because after they hear the MP admit and like the, the soldiers, there's a soldier on this away party to get the medicine. He brings it back to the, the supermarket and tells the other MPs that are with him. And mm-hmm. this is where it turns because those other MPs just wind up hanging themselves. And right. This is where it gets dark because the MPs hang themselves and. Mrs. Carmody is like on her bullshit now because she oh, yeah. had Big she time. had quote unquote been chosen not to get stabbed by the horse flies. And so it's all confirmation bias for her. She's rallying up the crowd and you know, William Sadler, his character goes into full breakdown because he's seen everybody else around him die. So he's mm-hmm. he sides with Mrs. Carmody and they and he's also like a a, a like a dog brain like yeah you know he's a dumb dumb like he you know he has no proof one way or the other he just goes in and just says "Eh." (laughs) this is this is the maybe this will keep me safe (laughs) shit goes down you shoot mrs carmody immediately oh yeah you gotta off her immediately get her out of the picture she's nothing but trouble yeah i had a note it's like my note was like, if I was in this situation, I would just be like, hey, I, I saw a bunch of Bibles back in the freezer <laughs> and then just lock her in the freezer. Like <laughs> you have to. Yeah. I saw somebody I saw somebody burning the American flag out back by that tentacle monster. Go check yeah. that out. Yeah. And she was like, don't tread on me. She runs out, and gets ten- tentacled immediately. Yeah. It's like you can't you can't have those people in dire situations. <laughs> no, get them out of here. Get them out of here. You got to just weed those out. Yeah, it's like you want to pray. That's fine, but don't be rallying people up in the doing shit. Don't get yeah. Don't start getting all wild. And yeah, because the uh, Bible. And- yeah, ultimately, what they do is they they sacrifice somebody to a, a giant 
tentacle crab who you barely ever see it it's it's like a couple legs and things sticking out of the <laughs> mist right but they sacrifice somebody and then she goes the beast will leave us now and then it does so i guess that's what works so now we just have to sacrifice people to the tentacle crab that's <laughs> outside yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, like I said, the confirmation bias is strong with Mrs. Carbody. Yeah. And, you know, that darkness just continues as like they eventually try to sacrifice the kid. They also try to kill the teacher. Basically, basically anybody who's been at odds with Mrs. Carmody is now on the chopping block and mm-hmm. everybody's trying to leave. You have just like a, a small party of people at this point, because I think there's seven of them try to get out six or uh, seven or eight mm-hmm. yeah i think it's eight because because yeah. it's the five people who wind up in the vehicle but yep. toby goes out with him and he gets torn apart and drops the gun and then there's two other older fellers with him there's like the one older guy who's in a suit and then another older guy who was like i have a shotgun in my truck and that's about oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i remember that yeah yeah and they both get taken down by the spiders so Yep. Yeah, that's yep, what yep. yeah they try to escape and they wind up in the in this truck driving down the mist and they just said let's try to go until we can't go uh they stop at david drayton's house and see that it's also been spider-maned and mm. you know his wife his is dead. wife's yeah his wife got spidered up yeah and so like this is this is just the building and building of like dark themes you know, the town is turned against them. The army is hanging themselves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your wife is dead as they're driving down the highway. It's looking pretty bleak. Yeah, pretty damn bleak. As they're driving down the highway, they pass a school bus. It's a school bus full of dead kids. Like, yeah, just spider. They got they got spidered. Yeah, just just a callback to maximum overdrive to that time. The plane <laughs> suicided dive the school bus. <laughs> You're right. That was definitely a callback. A conscious callback. A conscious I, callback. I Frank will Dar- not argue. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, Frank Darabont knows how to you know, just how to play on your emotions and just like, hey, a dead bus full of kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you also get this enormous, impossibly huge, you know, Lovecraftian elephant that yeah. you can't tell which way is its ass aside from the direction it's walking Fucking tentacles yeah. all over the place yeah you got to assume it's got a lot of eyeballs somewhere can't see them they're yeah. probably up top you just know that's a lovecraftian thing everything's got a lot of eyes yeah a lot of eyes a lot of mouths it looks it looks great in black and white um just because like it's it's you get the little bit of the harsh sun trying to cut through the mist mm. and but everything becomes so nebulous when you look up at it. Like you can tell there's tentacles in there, but you can't, there's no defined shape in there. It's just all mm-hmm. gray and uh, wriggling and it's gross. And it's like, well, that's terrifying. This road trip is over. <laughs> yeah. This is lame. Call it quits. Yeah. I, I, I could see that it doesn't look bad in color, right. but I could, no. I could imagine it looking better in, in black and white. Yeah. No, but, yeah. And, and like, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's like, it's fucking 60 feet tall yeah. like it's like impossibly huge it's a it's above the tree line so yeah 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 i mean yeah it, i don't think it looks bad in color it, i just it, it looks different like this is one of those ones that like it works either way i feel mm-hmm. like there's definite stuff that looks better in black and white and there's definite stuff that actually kind of looks better in color 
this is one of the ones that kind of works either way because like in color you do get the more definition of like there's a bunch of you know there's a bunch of tentacles and shit going on this one it feels more mysterious and lovecraftian in the way that you can't see exactly what's going on yeah yeah indescribable horror (laughs) i can see less is more oh my god i've been reading i just wrote read uh uh was it the dun Dunwich horror yeah. and then uh, whispers in the dark. I just read too. And like, I'm like I said, I'm going through this and it's just like, I love Lovecraft despite his, all his weird racistness. Um, <laughs> and just like xenophobia is like it, his number one theme through all his stories is xenophobia pretty much. But like, I genuinely do really like Lovecraft, but good God, it starts to get repetitive after a while. Everything is beyond what you can imagine you can never comprehend 100% of your brain yeah <laughs> it just it's it, it starts to get a little boring like i have to like read a story and then go back and read something else and then come back to it because i'm like yeah jesus christ which yeah, is just, we get it we can't understand it with our human brains we get yeah. it which is just like the hallmark of like a writer who's too afraid yeah like if you're i, I remember like writing stories as a kid and there would just be yeah. certain certain things you wouldn't write because you would be afraid of getting in trouble like if somebody found it (laughs) you know like you you wouldn't write swears or you wouldn't write you know certain things and i just like that's kind of what i think of of lovecraft sometimes i like a lot of the stories but also i think like i would get in so much trouble if i told people what this actually looked like so i'm just gonna say if you tried to comprehend it you would go mad (laughs) (laughs) isn't that terrifying (laughs) it's just like it's basically if you like Lovecraft, just go like really purple prose over the top. Just go read Poe. And yeah. it's just it's just a better version, just not quite as cosmic. Yeah. I feel I feel like what he really wanted to write was probably like it had five dicks. But he would get in trouble <laughs> if it had five dicks. <laughs> right. Right. It's like I, I really like all the ideas. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like the 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 that trope that is just God. It's so appropriate. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, anyway. Yeah, so we, so we've got we've got our big Lovecraftian fucking dinosaur elephant with a thousand tentacles and forty dicks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's pretty dire at this point. The truck runs out of gas, and this is where we get the ending of all endings. It lands like a fucking sledgehammer. Like it hurts so bad to watch this. <laughs> so intense. It's so unnecessary. And I love Frank Darabont for doing this. Yeah. This is not the story. No, it isn't. This is because this, this is one of the like I I think I said this when we were talking previewing the movies on the last episode. Mm-hmm. But like this is one of the two endings that like were specific or you know two times that stephen king had his stuff work changed for the better mm-hmm. whereas like the shining was changed for the better as a film even though king hates it and then this ending mm-hmm. was changed for the better and king actually likes this ending so he did yeah he was like all about this yeah and also it's like it's one of those things where like <clears throat> he's friends with frank darabon mm-hmm. oh yeah so like like they're buds yeah so like, of course, he's gonna like what his buddy does, yeah. and then like, you know, no one is is friends with Stanley Kubrick. Like, he doesn't no, have friends, not at all. You know, so, <laughs> so like, of course, he hates it because like yeah. Stanley Kubrick's the most hateable motherfucker in the world. As much of a huge Kubrick fan as I am, 
Stanley Cooper doesn't have friends. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm I'm okay with him being just a weird, you know, misanthrope. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it, it, yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. talented, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Darabont and King had obviously already worked together on the Green Mile and Shawshank, so this mm-hmm. was you know a kind of a layup for Darabont to adapt something else by him. Um, but yeah, the the ending is. The truck runs out of gas. There's five people in the truck, including Amanda, Drayton's son, Drayton, and then Dan Miller, who actually started the film, which is the, well started yeah. the, the 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 call out that the mist has something in it, and then mm-hmm. just an older uh, an older teacher. And yeah. there's the gun. There's four bullets for the gun, and Thomas Jane actually gives probably one of his better performances ever after he has to shoot everybody else in the truck but himself. And you see it from a low lying angle outside of the it's like a it's like a Jeep. They're driving like a you know like an eighties Jeep uh or a uh, Land Rover, I think it might be land something like that. It's like an SUV. Yeah. 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 An an older SUV that was actually meant for rock climbing. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, you see it from the outside and like you see the gun flashes and the only real movement you see is you see Amanda's body slump over. Other than Mm. that, you can just assume everything and then it cuts back into the truck. You don't see really anybody. I think Dan is over Drayton's shoulder. That's the only person you actually see dead. You see one of them or I couldn't remember if it was that or the teacher, but you see them kind of like, yeah, slumped over. And so in your head, you're going like, oh, my God, how did you do it? Did he shoot the kid first? Like, who do you know what I mean? So you're like, your brain is just reeling. Yeah. But then it's just Drayton alone in the truck, just screaming and then mm-hmm. fucking puts the gun in his own mouth, knowing he doesn't even have bullets. He just wants anything yeah. and just tries to kill and himself. Just, anyway. Hopefully I miscounted. Yeah, yeah. Just desperation. Yeah, just anything. And then that's not it. So he decides to go out into the mist. <laughs> that's not it. That's not, yeah. it. that's not the answer. So he goes out into no. the mist, hoping to get eaten. And you hear, yeah. you hear all the monster noises in the mist. Like, you don't know what's going to be the thing to come claim him. Yeah. And, and he's it, like, come on, like, fuck it, yeah. come get me. You know? Just more screaming. And then it's an M1 Abrams tank that comes out of the mist. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the biggest whoops ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real whoopsie daisy. Yeah. Biggest whoops ever. M1 Abrams tank comes out. All the soldiers come out. They got flamethrowers going on. A fucking trans- They're fucking all the monsters up. Yeah. yeah. A, a transport truck drives by and it has Carol and her kids that she went out to go save from the beginning. That's uh, and she did. <laughs> yeah. And she did. That's like, I don't know what that is comparatively, but that's like Frank Darabont doing a spin kick to everybody's guts. Like, <laughs> well, and then also she looks at him in this, just like you pussy ass bitch, like yeah. almost like she knows what happened yeah. because if you, we didn't talk about it that much before, but when Carol goes out, to save her kids so she's like single mom this is early early yeah like this right is the, the first thing drops yeah. and she's like who's gonna come help me and all the all the men folk right uh as lovecraft would call them uh, are like just straight up just cowards yeah. like they're like no we're not gonna come help you so she goes out and at the moment you think she is wandering into certain death mm-hmm. but she was the only one who actually had faith 
in her, you know, abilities to go help her kids. And she did. Right. And you, you pussy ass bitch. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Look what, look what you did. You were too afraid. You didn't. Yeah. And like, yeah, like you're saying, all the men at the beginning of that are just like eyes to the ground. And Thomas Shane's like, I got to look out for my own son. But if he would have took him with him, it's a good chance they would have just got out. But Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, And this, this ending like, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because, like, the flamethrowers and everything. It reminds me of Full Metal Jacket because mm-hmm. you have, like, the column of soldiers and the mm-hmm. flamethrowers are going off. And, like, there's a little, there's some music playing, but then eventually the music just gives way to silence and trucks and helicopters driving. Yeah. Like, it's the most sit in your filth fucking kind of credit roll. <laughs> oh yeah well i remember when i because because you don't really see anything it's just it's emotionally like i said emotionally devastating yeah like and i remember the first time i saw this was on cable like it was mm. on sci-fi or something like that and i remember just thinking like jesus christ like i was at my parent you know i was i was probably in college or right. or or, yeah. or yeah, I, I, I get it was pro- I was probably in college. Yeah, you were in college because I was in college. Yeah, because I saw it in college yeah. <laughs> at, at the theater. And I was at but I was at home like I was at my parents house. So I must have been home for you mm. know a holiday or weekend or whatever and laying on my parents couch watching it in their living room and everyone else was asleep like the lights were off, you know, and I'm just laying on the couch watching this movie and that ends. And I remember just thinking to myself like, Jesus Christ. And then I just like <laughs> shut the TV off and like went and ate like a bowl of cereal. And I yeah. was like, fuck me. <laughs> so, that's a, so guess I'll go to bed now, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, and and too, like I I, re- I remember watching this, and this might be two different instances that I'm like blending together in my brain, but I remember laying there one night at my again at my parents' house, probably around the same, you know, within a couple of years, and watching this. And 30 Days of Night. Oh, yeah. Like back to back. Yeah. Because uh, they used to play those on, again, I think it was sci fi all the fucking time. I think so too, yeah. And that's a pretty bleak ending too. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. And uh, and just thinking like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing, seeing The Mist in the theater when it came out. And just, it was a completely silent, everybody was just like, bum out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a real bummer. Um, but undeniably but, uh, good as a horror movie because it just it builds horror in so many different ways. Of mm-hmm. like the you know, like I said, it does all culminate really quickly and just like as a reminder at the end. But like mm-hmm. you had that first scene of Carol asking for help from the military and they don't. But then you know the military is like broken down. The, the they can't save anybody. The one military guy can't save his girlfriend. Everybody's losing their mind and becoming more religious and, you know, you know, zealotous looking for an answer. So they're endangering, yeah. you know, the, the, when the danger turns inward and co- starts coming from the people, that's when it gets yeah. like fucking serious. And so, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. So you have that and the monsters and, it's seeming it's seemingly unending the mist itself because you, yeah. you drive on a full tank of gas, which is, you know, usually 300, 400 miles and it's still there and you go, fuck. 
Well, and that's the thing is like, I, I mean, I think, you know, and I listen, this isn't my my idea. Like I was reading up a little bit about this beforehand, but like it's it's pretty clear this is like a this is a, a pretty big theme of the movie, too, is like the idea of of hope. You know what I mean? Like you you're mm-hmm. gonna, you you have hope and like the idea of keeping holding on to hope no matter how um, dire the scenario seems. So, you know, Carol, I'm going to say Carol, cause that's what I know her as. Right, yeah. Um, she leaves early and she's got, even though they're like, no, this is certain death, but she held on to it. And she even, you know, all the odds stacked against her, she held on to it. And ultimately she prevailed. Whereas Thomas Jane, um, you know, gave up hope at the end. And then, you know, five seconds, if you just held on for fucking two more minutes you know Mm -hmm. even in the clear and that's that's the the benefit of like always having hope is like you're always potentially one you know one second from from coming out on top kind of thing so it's like you know you have all these shit birds back at the grocery store who are all like you know, I have faith in this and that. And, you know, I have faith that if we, uh, you know, start murdering people, that things are going to end up great for us. But it's just like, you should, like, you should, um, how do I say it? You should put that energy towards just like survival mm-hmm. yeah. at all costs yeah. is like the ultimate lesson. Yeah. Self, self-preservation without the risk of taking other people's lives is what it is. Yeah. Cause like, it's obviously yeah. evil that they want to sacrifice people in the grocery store to tentacle crab. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. like, like if you just, if you just like, we had, I, th- I feel like the, the underlying theme is like, we as humans are given a moral compass, stick to that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be, better off right yeah yeah don't let it be bastardized by god or your you know whatever you decide is the easy way out or whatever right right yep let the monster let the monsters take you if they have to but don't do it yourself don't do it all right don't you do it that's the mist that is the mist all right i'm gonna do a quick pee break Grab another beer, and like I'll be back in like two seconds. Continued in part two.